the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Event.com. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Remember what J.D. Rockefeller said when he was asked, what does it take to make a man happy? Just a little bit more. No, and if you put all your eggs into that basket, you're going to be disappointed with what hatches. There is a hollow center to material things when you squeeze them for real deep soul satisfaction. That alone is found in God and the things of eternity. In a world that defines success through personal possessions and accumulated wealth, we constantly feel the pressure for more, more, and more. But sometimes our desire for financial abundance can get in the way of God's very best for us. So how do we know when our ambition for money has gotten out of hand? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy presents a timely message from Ecclesiastes. Whether we have a lot or a little, our attitude toward money is key. Here's Philip with a message titled, Your Money or Your Life. Stand and deliver your money or your life. Those are the now famous and infamous words of the notorious English bandit and highwayman Dick Turpin, who combed the English countryside seeking to separate the rich from their riches. It was his invitation to his unfortunate victims to either part with their money or say goodbye to this life. You might not think about it at first, but your money or your life is one of the Bible's great invitations. Although the Bible does not repeat this exact phrase, the sentiment and the statement is found repeated throughout the Word of God. The Bible questions those who tightly cling to their material possessions to the peril of their own souls and spiritual welfare. The Bible is clear that a love of money leads to much harm and much hurt. Remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 through 37, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, your money or your life? That's the choice. That's the conflict. Jesus here talks about the possibility of losing oneself, of losing one's soul in seeking to amass or acquire this world's goods. If we're not careful, material wealth can come at the cost of spiritual privation. To have all that the world has to offer and yet not to have Jesus Christ is to be eternally bankrupt. That's the implication of Jesus' words and Jesus' warning. 
In fact, Jesus himself tested the rich young ruler over this very thing. Your money or your life? Remember in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, I've kept the law from my youth. I'm serious about the things of God and eternal matters. And so Jesus tests him. Stand and deliver your money or your life. And Jesus tells them, okay, here's what you've got to do. Sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Now, we want to understand clearly that Jesus was not making a vow of poverty the price of admission into his kingdom. But what he was doing here was smoking out this young man in terms of his motives. He was testing the young man's profession of love for God and a desire for eternal significance and security. But his love for God was false because Jesus tells us that you're to love God and love your neighbor— And this young man loved his possessions more than he loved God and his neighbor. Jesus, in the end, proved him to be a classic and closet idolater. He had made an idol of his possessions. He was willing to give up his life for his money. This is the choice. This is the conflict. And it comes about because we, as men and women, mistakenly make material wealth and financial abundance the measure of success and the measure of significance in this life. That's the mistake we're constantly making. It was made in Jesus' day, and we are repeating it in our day. Come on, let's be honest. Our culture defines a man's worth by a man's wealth. Men of significance are men of material abundance. We live in a world without windows into the next. We live in a society more increasingly being shaped by the hypothesis of evolution. And therefore, it's not surprising that we're now making matter all that matters. Because in the doctrine of evolution, that's all that matters. This short, fleeting existence. Therefore, since this world is all that there is, then you better fight to get your slice of the cake. Because that's how we define significance. That's how we measure success. We assume that the more you have, the more you are. That's one of the doctrines of materialism. Increasingly in our Western culture, self-identity and self-worth is being determined by how much we possess and by how much we consume. That's why when you stand at the checkout counter at Ralph's or Vaughn's or wherever you may shop, you've got racks of magazines enticing us to read about the rich and the famous. Why do we want to read about the rich and the famous? Because that's how our culture defines success and significance. We read about them because we want to be like them. That's what happens in a world without windows into the next. To become rich To become financially secure is the benchmark of our culture. It's what constitutes the good life. The good life is having more and more and more and more good things. But is it? Your money or your life? That's the choice. That's the conflict. And it's one we all struggle with. The comedian Jack Benny had a reputation as a miser. And he liked to tell a story on himself, no doubt invented, of a time when he was accosted by an armed robber with the words, your money or your life. 
After a long pause, the robber said, well, to which Jack Benny replied, don't rush me. I'm thinking. There may be some humor to that, but there's, there's a reality to it that's rather sad and not humorous. What will a man give in exchange for his soul is the question Jesus poses. And it's a real issue because I'll tell you this, you and I will be tempted to love money because money makes all the same promises that God does. Have you ever thought about that? That's why it's such a temptation. That's why it's such a trap. That's why it's such a real issue for a church like ours living in affluent America and in one of the jewels in the crown, Orange County, of all places, with such beauty, such bounty, such material wealth surrounding us each and every day. Money is a temptation because it promises all that God promises. It says to us, It will sustain us in good times and bad, that it will support us when we're sick. It'll buy us happiness when we're well. It promises us security now, and if we amass enough of it, it promises us security the rest of our lives. In other words, if we have money, we can become independent of government, of others, and even of God, it seems. That's why Jesus said, didn't he, in Mark chapter 10, verse 23, that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Has God got it in for rich people? No. But their riches reduce their need of God and even replace God. That's why Jesus said elsewhere in Matthew 6, verse 24, you can serve God, you can serve money, but you can't serve both. And we confuse one for the other sometimes. Because one promises all that God promises. That's the mistake we make. That's why we come to this passage here in Ecclesiastes 5 and Ecclesiastes 6. Given the danger and the seductive nature of money and what it presents in terms of peril to our souls, we need to turn to this passage. Because here Solomon talks about the trap of making the acquisition of wealth our life's goal. And we live in a culture that talks to us about money and talks about money all the time. And we've got money and material things on our brain day by day. And you can't avoid that. There is a sense in which money makes the world go round. We live in a world in which there's commerce and the exchanging of goods. And there's nothing wrong with that in its place. But we've got to be careful because money is a temptation. Money is a trap. It is a way of twisting our priorities It is a way of getting us off track spiritually. 1 Timothy 6 tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil, and some have destroyed their faith, says Paul, because of it. Don't trust in uncertain riches, he reminds those at Ephesus. And Solomon talks about the trap of the acquisition of wealth. There are various principles and proverbs throughout this passage A chain of thought is evident, and it's linked together by the theme of poverty and wealth. In chapter 5, verse 8, Solomon talks about the poor. In verse 10, he talks about money. In verse 11, he talks about the increase of good things. In verse 12, he talks about the rich man. In verses 13 and 14, he talks about riches. And that theme spills over and seeps into chapter 6. So money matters are clearly the matter at hand. Solomon wants to remind us of something he's already stated earlier in this book, and that is that 
that money has a fleeting and frustrating side to it. That there's a disappointing nature to materialism. He's talked about that back in chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. And he continues his negative evaluation of material things here in chapter 5 and 6. And he knows what he's talking about, right? Here's a man who in his lifetime had a superabundance of material things. According to the Bible, silver was common as stones under Solomon's administration. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 7, the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon. She's heard a lot about this king. She's heard a lot about his kingdom. She gets there, and she goes, wow, the half has not been told in terms of Solomon's wisdom and Solomon's wealth. This guy was well-heeled, as we say. He had deep pockets. He could put his hand on a pot of gold let alone a chest of silver at any time he wanted. But he had learned the hard way that money does not equate to more life. In fact, the more you have of it, Solomon will argue, often the less it seems to benefit you. Let me give you an outline of this passage I found very helpful by Randy Alcorn in his little book, The Treasure Principle, which you should get your hands on and read. In outlining this passage here, he says this. In verse 10, Solomon reminds us that the more you have, the more you want. In verse 10, he reminds us the more you have, the less you'll be satisfied. In verse 11, he reminds us the more you have, the more people, including the government, will come after it. He reminds us in verse 11, the more you have, the more you realize it does not do you any good. In verse 12, the more you have, the more you have to worry about In verse 13, the more you have, the more you can hurt yourself by holding on to it. Verse 14, the more you have, the more you have to lose. And the greater the disappointment when the loss comes. Verse 15, the more you have, the more you'll leave behind. Because there are no pockets in a stride. There's no U-hauls after the hearse. So the more you have, in many ways, the less it benefits you. Money doesn't deliver as much as it promises. It doesn't equate to more happiness, more security, more contentment. In fact, when you get what you want, oftentimes you won't want what you get. And so Solomon tackles this issue here in this passage, and he's driving towards a point, a point that's made in verse 20. This is a chiasm in the Hebrew structure. We tend to think in lines. We think linearly in a straight line, a chain of thought that doesn't meander. But a chiasm is an argument that kind of can be structured like the steps on a pyramid. On one side, Solomon argues towards something. On the other side, he argues from something. There's a central point as Solomon talks about the fleeting and frustrating nature of money. And his point is this. Hey, riches and wealth come and go. And they come from the hand of God, but sometimes God gives and sometimes God takes away. You can't count on financial security across your lifetime. So whatever God gives, take it and hold it in open hand. And above all, remember that it came from His hand to your hand. So in the gifts, don't forget the giver. All right? Enjoy what you have at a given moment. It may not be there the next, but above all, enjoy the God who abides forever and who blesses us with all spiritual and material blessings. Now, as we come into this passage, I'm going to kind of gather my thoughts around two thoughts. 
Solomon explodes some myths and Solomon explores some truths. That's the two headings we're going to put everything under. Solomon explodes some myths and we find him exploding these myths on the second half of chapter 5. Solomon sets out the dynamite out of our thinking some deeply ingrained myths about the benefits of amassing material wealth. Jesus in Matthew 13, 22 talks about what? He talks about the deceitfulness of riches. They say that money talks, and it does. It lies. It deceives us. It promises more than it can deliver. That's Solomon's point. Now, there are four myths that he will explode. The first myth that Solomon dynamites and explodes is wealth brings satisfaction. Uh Uh-uh, not true. And then wealth brings sufficiency. Uh Uh-uh, not true. Look at verse 10. Solomon says this, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He who loves abundance will increase. This also is vanity. I'm not skipping over verses 8 and 9, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them. They deal with the issue of injustice. The game is rigged. Okay, those who are over the poor have rigged the game for themselves. One official looks over another official, and another official looks over another official, and the little guy has no chance. The game's rigged, and injustice takes place. And having talked about the injustice of the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, Solomon now turns the table, and he focuses on the poverty of the wealthy. Verse 10. It's a theme he'll pick up in verse 7 of chapter 6, all the labor of man is for his mouth, yet the soul is not satisfied. Although rich, the rich never feel rich. Isn't that funny? The more they have doesn't bring a settled sense of satisfaction. It just whets their appetite for more. It's like drinking seawater. The purchase of one thing leads to the wanting of another thing bigger and better than before. The rich are just as poor as the poor in the sense that they're always wanting something. There's always something they don't have. There's always something to be grasped for. That's the point that Solomon's making here. No matter how much a person accumulates, there's always the opportunity to acquire more and why settle for less. Remember, if God is painted out of the picture, all that matters is matter time and space and temporal things. So, okay, you get something, but why be satisfied with it? More can be got. And there's this insatiable drive and desire for more. We would think those who have something would be happy. All right? You'd think the rich would be happy. But when they get more, they want more. Just the opposite is true. Wealth creates and awakens desires innate in man. Tied to his sin nature becomes greedy. An example of this. Remember the parable that Nathan told to David of David? David had just tells a story of a of what? Of a rich man who steals a poor man's lamb. He didn't need it, did he? But he took it. That's the amazing thing. Why did this rich man take what didn't belong to him, what he didn't need? Because that's part of our nature, this insatiable desire for something more. Because when we walk away from God, nothing can take his place. There's a hole in the soul. 
that only God can fill, and material things won't do it. But we make that mistake. We think the material things are the measure of success and significance and satisfaction. Not true. Jesus reminds us of that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Remember what J.D. Rockefeller, a man of great means a generation ago, said when he was asked, what does it take to make a man happy? What did he say? His answer is classic, just a little bit more. Isn't that the gospel truth? The former Duchess of Windsor, Wallace Simpson, the American, who created such a storm in the 40s in England, is famous for saying, you can never be too rich or too thin. See, that's where the world's at. Or as someone has said, it's hard to save money, isn't it, when your neighbor keeps buying things you can't afford? See, what they have, we want. And the more, the better. But we learn at cost, don't we? That wealth doesn't bring satisfaction. In fact, Solomon will return to this theme in chapter 6 and remind us that wealth apart from God's blessing brings no satisfaction. That's the point of verses 1 and 2. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires, yet God does not give him power to eat of it, but a foreigner consumes it. That's vanity. That's an evil affliction. People who have things don't get to enjoy them, and they can't enjoy them for wanting other things. That's kind of what you have from verse 10 and verse 2 of chapter 6. Reminding us there is a hollow center to material things. Never forget that. We are materialists as Christians. We're not Gnostics. We don't deny the physical. We don't think it's all evil. There are things to enjoy. Solomon will talk about that. God wants us to enjoy what we can eat and what we can drink. God expects us to stand in awe at a Southern California sunset at the end of a beautiful day. That's good. But that's not all that life's about, is it? No. And if you put all your eggs into that basket, you're going to be disappointed with what hatches. We're reminded here that there's a hollow center to material things when you squeeze them for real deep soul satisfaction. That alone is found in God and the things of eternity. Even though money can offer temporary pleasure, it cannot satisfy the deepest human longing. Come on, read Solomon. He's been there, done that. He yawns. It's all boring. Unless God's a part of it. Unless grace is at the center of it listening to Know the Truth with author, pastor, and Bible teacher, Philip DeCourcy. Today's message is titled, Your Money or Your Life, and it's part of a larger series in Ecclesiastes called The Quest for the Best. You can listen to previously aired messages when you visit us online at ktt.org. Now, maybe today's message is hitting a chord with you, and you'd like to get a copy on CD. Well, again, the message is titled, Your Money or Your Life, and it's a great resource to turn to when things get a little tight financially or when you're looking for a greater sense of significance outside of your paycheck. Order the CD message when you call 888-644-8811 or make your request online at ktt.org. And thanks for remembering that these daily programs come to you freely over the radio and the Internet every day as a result of the generous donations of listeners like you. If it's been a while since you've supported Know the Truth with a donation, we hope you'll take time to give today. 
Again, our phone number is 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if it's easier, just mail your donation to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And when your donation is $20 or more, we'll send you a resource to bolster your faith with the evidence for Jesus' resurrection. Request The Resurrection in You by Josh and Sean McDowell when you give today. And if you're brand new to Know the Truth or if you've never reached out before, we'd also like to send you a free CD message titled Access Granted. It's an advanced copy of our Good Friday broadcast explaining how Jesus' death and resurrection changes everything. Just call 888-644-8811. There's more bold biblical teaching coming up next time when Philip continues his message titled, Your Money or Your Life. That's Monday on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. I'm going to have my kids going to temp school. Oh, come on. They're going to come somewhere. Based on a true story, The Best of Enemies centers on the unlikely relationship between a black civil rights activist and a local Ku Klux Klan leader during the racially charged summer of 71. This film is a well-acted, effective story about race and racial reconciliation. However, that doesn't mean this film is fault-free. The dialogue is inflected with profanity, and there are uncomfortable, conflict-filled scenes to be sure. But keeping those issues in mind, this pick serves its thoughtful purpose very well. So I'll give The Best of Enemies a 3 out of 5 for family friendliness. Check out the full review at PluggedIn.com radio. Plugging you into the movies, I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family's Plugged In Movie Review. Do you need a second? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.